Hi, and welcome to Security Explained. I'm Chris Grayson. I'm Drew Porter. And I'm Logan Lamb. We're coming to you every two weeks with tips and tricks on how to protect yourself and your loved ones out there on the internet and in real life. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about conspiracy theories. Behind every conspiracy theory, there is a small grain of truth, and we want to clear up the confusion that they cause and find out what that little grain of truth is so that you can be better educated with information and so that you don't have to fall into the FUD that happens when you start hearing about conspiracy theories. Sit back, have a laugh with us as we learn about the realities of these conspiracy theories. So we have a few conspiracy theories for you all today. Who wants to start us off? Ooh, uh, I'll go. I'll go. Um, and I know that this one hits particularly close to home for you, Drew, uh, that all hackers are criminals because Drew is a criminal. And obviously, <laughs> all hackers are obviously criminals, Logan and I included, too. Yeah, we're totally not criminals, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You, you got, I think you got investigated by the FBI, though. But didn't you as well? Buddy? <laughs> yes, and no evidence of wrongdoing. They they did come to my apartment a few times when I was oh, in yeah, all three of us. <laughs> uh, are we actually reputable sources on this? Yeah. I think uh, I think so. Hmm. Well the, and and even better, all three of us got investigated and all three of us got cleared for, for any hint of wrongdoing. Yeah. Well, maybe no, not. I mean it was all my roommates <laughs> that were doing the bad things, not me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so I, the um, you know if you look at how hackers are portrayed in the media, like yes, they're all they're all criminals in the media. Like they're, they're like some masterminds, like technical person who like has a really tar- hard time talking to people, but is great at talking to computers. Or like um, like swordfish, obviously a very uh, <laughs> very it's very true to life. That's that's how my daily life goes. Um, but the, the fact of the matter is like. Most hackers are not criminals. And a lot of people, there are a lot of people that want the title of hacker. Like I personally know, personally know some people that will um, try to fly the flag of hacker just for the reputation. They don't have any technical competency. They don't really know anything about security. They know about like crypto coins and stuff like that. But like there's people that want the reputation of hackers specifically because they, they think it makes them look like, you know, a, a badass. Uh, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, we know plenty of hackers, um, and I, you know, I'm not aware of the, any of the folks that I consort with that cross the line into illegality. As there is in every group, you know, there are some individuals who use their skill set for uh, for illegal items. We choose, at least us three, choose not to do that because we have found a way to have employment without having to do illegal activities. So that's always a bonus. And with that, I think in the beginning, you know, the the thought of all hackers are criminals goes back to the point Chris was making is the media portrayed it. Hollywood portrayed it as like, oh, a hacker. Yeah, there are people breaking into computers that they're not supposed to be breaking into. But we, I mean, it's our job to break into computers that we're supposed to break into and the companies that we're breaking into are the ones who are allowing it and paying us to do it. So it is uh, the literally the exact opposite of being a criminal. But yeah, all hackers are not criminals. So our next conspiracy theory, and uh, I'll, uh, I'll kick this one off, is actually one that uh, a few years ago was very, very, um, if you thought this, you are 
you were straight into the like crazy loony bin, everyone would just put you into this. But now more people are willing to kind of accept this. But we want to clear up some confusions with it. And it is the government can listen to all your phone calls. And the answer to that is kind of the government is not monitoring all your phone calls all the time. Now, they are collecting metadata, which is it will tell them who you're calling, when you're calling and how long that call was for, as well as uh, other information like where you were when you're making that call, where that other person was when they received the call, etc. Um, on almost every single phone call. Um, but that doesn't mean that they are listening to your calls. And when I say listening, I mean, you're not having an FBI agent isn't listening to your phone calls to your mom, you know? So every single time you say, hi, FBI agent on the phone, like there's no one on the other end. Yeah. Uh, you you got to say NSA, not FBI. Yeah. 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 <laughs> get, get who's intercepting it correctly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, there, there's not someone always listening on the other end. Right. I mean, that, that would just be, crazy the amount of resources that would be needed for that uh to listen live full time to have an agent assigned to every single phone call is crazy now there are systems that will analyze every single phone call and uh they will keep it in their you know data center whatever one they're keeping it in at this time probably utah um, but there is not actively people listening on the call for every single call happening and just to, to add one other piece of color there, uh, you don't need to be listening to the content of a call for mm-hmm. the like basically the, the context of that call to be incriminating. And that's one of the reasons that metadata collection goes on is because like, look, if you know that I'm calling Drew at 1 a.m. every day and you know how sketchy Drew is, you know that I, therefore, am sketchy as well. Uh, but but yeah, so, so metadata collection is... Um, it's still very powerful stuff. Uh, you can get a lot of good information out of it. You can track a lot of bad actors through it. So just because you're not having the raw voice content of what you're saying uh, recorded um, and, and intercepted does not mean that uh, the the kind of context cannot be inferred from your behavior. Um, and then, I mean, there's there's text messaging where it's like, you're just giving them the transcript if it's intercepted. Like that, I feel like, I mean, what do, what do you guys think about the, the susceptibility of text messages to interception versus like the, like are all text messages being, being recorded? Uh, definitely by your carrier. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And they're also completely un, unencrypted. Yes. So, yeah. And, and, and if you want to see what this looks like, you can actually ask for the, all the text messages. If you own the account. You can ask for all the text messages on uh, a phone under your account. So you can pull up all your text messages and the carrier uh, many times will just they will mail you a envelope that has all your text messages and what was said. Um, How far back does that go? uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's. uh, uh, But yeah, text messages, in my opinion, are very, very. Uh, well, they're not trustworthy if you're just using regular SMS or MMS, depending on what you're sending, because anyone can spoof a text message. And it's one of the things I used to do in college, right, is with my friends, I would text them from 911. And 
uh, you know, and he said you've been investigated by the FBI. Tell me, about that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I would send them funny things, um, or I would send them uh, things like uh, the building's on fire, please evacuate, right? And like people aren't used to getting text messages from nine one one. So, yeah, rightfully so. You, you want to play it safe. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I only did it to my friends. Okay. Come on. Yeah. And uh, also, I know one of these friends, and I know that only one person in this transaction thought it was funny. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he also thought it was funny sometimes. That was my roommate. Yes. Yeah, sometimes, maybe. <laughs> but not a lot to live. But yeah. The, so, so government listening to all your phone calls, they do have that capability, but they don't use it like that. And they also don't need to because... They don't they, need to. Yeah, they, they don't need to. Yeah, because you go on Facebook and you post your thoughts anyway. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that's, that's one of the crazy things about, about privacy is that especially like with all the stuff going on around TikTok, uh, it's like, oh man, I, I want my security and privacy. And it's like, based on your behavior, I don't know if that's true. <laughs> because you're just freely giving up all of this data to these like potentially hostile sources. Uh, like, I, there's definitely, I feel like a big part of this conversation around security and privacy comes from a misunderstood perception of like where the threats actually lie. But you, you got to think. Are they listening to all my phone calls? Like, like the example you give to, are they listening to all my phone calls? No. Can they go to your public Facebook page or public Instagram page or whatever, whatever of these other things that you're doing and get all this information about who you are, what you do? Like the number of times that I've written a scraper uh, for a specific business associated uh, social media website to just pull like, I want to get the full roster of employees for this company and done. Like you're not at a point where you need to be worrying about the government intercepting your phone calls if you're on social media and stuff like that, like you, you, the data is already out there. Yeah. 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 You, you're providing it for free, not just for the government, but for anyone. Right. And, uh, for me, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It, it, and if you want to see something crazy, right. Just look at the type of data someone can pull from you from databases like Lexus Nexus. Right. Why do you need a government, uh, while you can be your own government and, Yep. your own NSA. Yeah. Uh, yep. And you got to so. think about stuff like like the Equifax breach where oh man. You know, you have these credit reporting companies which are like yeah, they they fulfill a role that is pretty well needed by our financial systems, but at the same time like they're collecting all this data on you. Um and then they're not even able to protect it adequately. Uh yep. so you got to think like your yeah, your your data is all out there. It's it, it's not the intercepted phone calls that are going to get you in trouble. Yeah. Uh, before we move on to the next topic, uh, coming back to SMS briefly, uh, what do you guys use instead of SMS? I pointedly have, I don't know, nearly all of my comms going through Signal for texting at this point. I use uh, smoke signals. Oh, nice. Oh, smoke signals. Just got to keep them out of visual range. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it depends. Uh, never mind. <laughs> Forget about that joke. Forget about that joke. <laughs> I so so I'm I'm on Signal as well. Um, but I, honestly, so so I have an iPhone, and I think I'm the only one of us three that has an iPhone. Um, yeah, I know, I know. The so so say what you will about Apple and its products. 
Um, as far as I know, there is not much precedence to say that Apple is super into handing over all of your uh, SMS data. And when you're using Apple, you're using iMessage, which is not SMS. It's actually encrypted. It's actually controlled by Apple. They will respond to uh, you know legal subpoenas for your data and stuff like that. Um, but it is not as in the clear as standard SMS. But I, I do use Signal to talk to these guys. And then every single time I get a Signal phone call, it drops five times. And they're like, cool, let's just talk over regular voice so we can get all of our calls intercepted by the government. <laughs> I like signal calls. Yeah, my, my signal calls are reliable. Must be an iPhone thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll t- maybe we'll talk about uh, everything Chris just said is correct, but maybe we'll talk about in a later episode what Apple is doing so that it is easier for law Ooh. enforcement to get your information without their intervention. Uh, I'll take this next one. So, um. Let's say you don't want to be tracked, right? You want to just be totally off the grid in your city. Is it really enough to not have your cell phone, laptop, your electronics on you? Um, I mean, clearly that's not the case, right? And that's for a couple of reasons. Uh, The government doesn't have to roll out their task forces like, you know, you're a character in The Wire or Sopranos or anything like that. Um, Just going about your day-to-day life, you leave traces as to where you've been. For example, uh, you have security camera footage. Um, You know, uh, people can use that to trace where you have been. Uh, Also, if you frequently use your credit card, we were just touching on Equifax. um, That clearly leaves a history as to where you've been. I don't know. uh, What do you guys have on the electronic side? A lot of people forget that their vehicles are just a extension of their digital persona. So they will go and drive around and you're no matter unless if, if your car's been is newer than 2003, uh, you probably have four little radios in your car that you don't know of um, or maybe you do know of them, but you don't think of them as things that could be used to track you. Your tire pressure monitors. So those are uniquely linked to your vehicle and they are used as a data point for advanced tracking and surveillance by the government and others at this current time. So mm-hmm. that's always an interesting one that people forget is, you know, that little low, low light or low air warning that you get on your vehicle is also the same device that allows for tracking of your vehicle. Yeah, it's like, I think, Drew, we've we've had conversations around like, what are the steps you actually take to become untrackable? And it's pretty wild. And and it also seems like the goal should not be to have no electronics. It should be to have electronics that are not traceable to you um, yep. or, yep. or at least like yep. aren't aren't officially tagged to you. But yeah, like and, and <clears throat> like in light of the recent protests, there was some big stink about Amazon like they were saying that they were going to stop the usage of their facial recognition software for law enforcement. I feel like I remember seeing that that headline. And I think people probably don't have a full appreciation of just how advanced this facial recognition software is. Like if you've ever been locked out of your Facebook account, like one of the ways that you can gain access back to your Facebook account is by like, they'll show you a picture that you're in and you have to identify the other people in that picture. 
Are you serious? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've been, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, I'm not on Facebook. Yeah. And, yeah. and like on Google Photos. I mean, it, like facial recognition software does some pretty cool stuff from a technology standpoint, but it's it's horrifying from a privacy standpoint. I mean, like on my Google Photos, um, like it automatically, I can be like, I want to see all of my pictures with me and this friend. And I'm like, cool. Here's all those pictures of both of you. Okay. That's great. Uh, so, so like, and if you think about how prevalent cameras are right now um i mean i know i know like they're prevalent here i was uh in in beijing giving a, a talk at defcon china once and it is wild over there the like, like even it's a stark contrast compared compared between here and there but just with the number of cameras that they have here i think in santa monica um <clears throat> like it's owned by the like government over there, the, the, the sort of camera system that they have, and they have like pretty full coverage over the entire city. Um, they can track you throughout the, throughout the whole place just through facial recognition. Well, you know, now that coronavirus is a thing and everyone's wearing masks, they'll have to switch to like gate rec- recognition or something like that. So I, and you know, so I have, uh, I have had, I, it's still, it's still, befuddles me why people think masks are such uh, a hot topic to debate. Like, just wear a mask. Uh, one of the reasons that I like wearing masks is specifically because it foils facial recognition. Like, I don't think I'm ever going to stop wearing a mask just because I now have a socially acceptable reason to be covering most of my face when I'm outside. Like, I think that's just going to be the norm. Also, you kind of look like a ninja if you have a cool mask. And it foils some facial recognition. Some facial recognition. Tell me more. A lot of facial recognition actually will use your the the features dealing between your eyes. So if you put the area between the top of your eyebrow to the bottom of your eye, that will be one of the core areas that facial recognition will use. And the reason why they like to focus on that is because a lot of facial recognition is deployed in Asia, where even mm. before coronavirus, it was socially acceptable um, and recommended to wear a mask. So when you are placing a, you know, a surveillance technology in a place where everyone's already wearing masks for the most part, uh, you have to focus on other items of the face to be able to do facial recognition. That, that gets, I mean, if you take a deep dive into facial recognition, the capabilities of it, like Chris was saying, is just unbelievable right now. Um, and seeing some of the top end uh, providers and playing with their systems personally, uh, I mean, it, it's it gets a little depressing when you realize, like, yep, this is this is the true end of privacy. So, uh, have you guys heard of something called reflecticles? Yes. <laughs> so they're basically sunglasses that reflect IR. I think. And they're specifically created to foil cameras that are working with night vision. So with that, they will work to where they like you just become a bright spot onto the camera. Uh, the problem with that is a lot of these facial <laughs> recognition technology. <laughs> yep, yeah. they yeah. they will put like a a red triangle around you because they can't identify you, right? Or or like a a a yellow square, um, and just they will just continually follow you. Until they can ad- identify you. Ugh. Yeah, it's kind of like having a nice car with one of those barcode license plates. That you guys know what I'm talking about? No, no barcode license plates. Oh man. Yeah, so people will 
the, they'll get custom license plates where it's a mixture of one, oh, yeah. the number one, I, L, that sort of a thing. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. To make it more difficult to recognize, but yeah. You're a sports car. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's a, so I saw something the other day uh, that I had never seen before and thought was super interesting, and I totally forgot about it until just now. Um, it was a license plate on, I want to say, like a this model year Range Rover, maybe like nice high end SUV. The license plate was e ink. No, so it was digital. Yeah, yeah, it was digital, and it looked it looked legit. Yeah. So we don't need a flipping placard like James I just, Bond. I just wanted I I want an e ink license plate on my desk to hack on, so I can figure out how that thing works. Yeah, I mean, if you want that, we can make that happen. Okay, sweet. Uh, okay, yes. I, mean, I do want that. Yeah, yep. it is. Uh, uh, they are terrible. Uh, is what I can say. <laughs> I don't recommend them. Uh, <laughs> why because of the bad refresh rate uh no because they uh they they're in a pilot program like here in arizona and uh uh what a lot of people forget is this pilot program everyone's like oh this is so cool like i want to be part of this pilot program and it's just like ah yes um the company that has developed this license plate also has a cellular radio in this license plate and they are collecting all your gps data um, yeah, yeah, because because they will it has to have two way communication because the license plate can change from the license plate to if it was a stolen vehicle, it will say stolen on it. Um, uh, or if it's like an Amber Alert, it will say, you know, uh, Amber <laughs> Alert me. on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like people can see like, oh, hey, that silver Corolla that came over my annoying, you know, flash SMS uh which is the one that causes the all the alarms to happen on your phone uh it is now that license plate instead of just looking for a number all you have to see is it says amber alert on it and you're like that's the vehicle and you can call the police right or if a vehicle's stolen you can call the police or and it's easier to identify like mm. it is uh uh, but 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 there, there's a lot of privacy concerns with that that aren't conspiracy theories. <laughs> well, I want I want one that I can flash my own custom firmware onto. That's uh, why I want to hack on. Yeah, that sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that would be awesome. Okay, so so let's talk about uh, conspiracy theory that I think. We, well, I don't know. I was definitely a noob uh, some years ago, but uh, yeah, the myth of perfect security or an unhackable system. I mean, we see, again, going back to the Swordfish reference, if you've ever watched Swordfish, it's obvious that there's nothing that, uh, what's his face? Who's the main actor in that one? Is it Travolta? I think it's Travolta. Yeah, I think it's Travolta. No, no, it's not Travolta. It's it's Wolverine. I'm not good with uh Okay, well, anyways, if you've ever seen Swordfish, you know that he that guy can hack into anything. Um, and And so... So the thing is, and, and we, we talked about it a bit in, in uh, our core security concepts conversation um, in another episode, but like there is no such thing as perfect security. You want to be thinking about security in terms of basically a game of economics. There's a certain value to be had in compromising something. There's a certain amount of effort that it, that it will take to do that. And if the gains that you get outpace the amount of resources you have to invest to get them, then that is a good investment from kind of an economic standpoint. So, like, yes, there are systems that have highly sensitive data on them. Um, 
like, you know, whether or not, whether it's like, you know, a company in the private, uh, private sector that has a bunch of IP, like let's say medical research companies that are potentially getting targeted by Russian hackers. Uh, there's various places that have very valuable data that the security around them is not appropriate for the value of that data. And those are going to be big targets, but there are also places that have highly sensitive data that have controls around them that are proportionate. And all of a sudden, the kind of return on investment for breaching those systems is diminished. So all you really have to do, and I think I've said it before, where like one of one of kind of my, my mentors in the security space, uh, for his for his engineering design docs, he always opens with a quote from Sun Tzu, the art of war, of like, here's how to think about this problem. Same sort of deal. Like, look, if it if you can make it so that it it costs more to gain access to something than what the value of that access will basically give back to that party, then it doesn't matter that you're unhackable. You're not you're not a good target. Yeah, and and as one of my friends, Robert, always says, is you know, if it is conceived by the mind of man, it can be defeated by the mind of man, right? And it is, uh, I don't know if he actually came up with that quote. That's, that's awfully, that's awfully prescient for, for a non-philosopher to come up with. I, uh, I, I'm going to credit him with it though. Uh, let us know. I'm pretty sure that was George Washington. Uh, (laughs) George, George Washington. Is that what you said? Yeah. 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 George Washington or Kanye West. One of the two. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the great, I mean, two great philosophers of, uh, American history. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um so so with that i mean it it really not just talking about making it harder um if someone wants to get in the answer is they're always going to get in uh they will spend if their goal like his my life depends on getting into this they will find a way to get into it they'll spend any amount of money to do it they will spend any amount of time to get in so there, in my opinion, at least with what I know with technology at this current time, I can't think of a unhackable system, right? Maybe, maybe we will get that in the future, but I doubt it. It's my phone. Yeah, your, it's your, your phone is unhackable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's made by Apple. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. We'll talk about that in a few conspiracies. <laughs> yeah, that's a good segue. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we can just jump to that one right now. Okay, fine. Let's talk about the FBI and uh, getting into iPhones, right? So there was a, what was it, San Bernardino terrorist attack that happened, right? That that shooting, and there was an iPhone, and there was crazy things that were coming out from law enforcement. Uh, the phrase cyber pathogen, I believe, is uh, a new term that was coined That's during a good that one. time. That's a good one. The what, fact what that we've even dropped talking about how cyber initially came from like cyber sex is pretty great. Now we're already just cyber pathogen. Like that, yeah. that's technically a virtual STD, I feel like. <laughs> so the, the, the FBI, uh, during, if you're unfamiliar with this, the FBI for a long time, as well as other law enforcement groups, were saying that uh, they have this iPhone, they can't get it unlocked, and they believe that it has a huge terrorist plot on it, right? So... Uh, some people were like, you know, the next 9-11 uh, plot is on this phone. Uh, and to which I always thought, huh, if that was the case, I'm sure they would be doing everything that they would want to to get into this phone. 
But let me tell you from personal experience what they were doing and what they weren't doing. Uh, my company was called to be one of the companies uh, to get a quote to see how fast and how much it would cost to get into the phone. And we gave them a price and we gave them a deadline. And we said, we will give you five days and we'll give you access into this phone for X amount of dollars. And it was the X amount of dollars was a large amount because well, I was going to hire a lot of people to get into the phone for five days. But I had the, the appropriate researchers that I knew at that time to get into that phone within that time frame. They said, no, 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 that's too much. And then they, they started calling other firms. I know because the other individuals that they were reaching out to would then also reach out to me and be like, hey, you want to be on this project? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so eventually, you know, they were saying, the FBI was saying, we can't get into this phone. Like it, it is, uh, it's impossible. We need Apple to get us into this phone. And there's this huge battle that was going on and it's still actually going on to this day. A version of this conversation is going on to this day. And it's actually very scary. It's actually one of my focuses in the political realm is making sure politicians understand the realities of what the FBI was asking for and what the FBI was lying about. Uh, so they, so the FBI was saying like they could not get into this phone without Apple, and this is why we shouldn't allow private companies to have encryption without backdoors and all this stuff. Turns out, yeah, they actually could get into the phone. Uh, the FBI just didn't want to pay the money that it was going to cost. The final price that they did pay was one million dollars or something around there to a uh, Israeli firm. That that's the thing is whenever you whenever you hear the argument, and, and this argument will be ramping up. In 2021, again, it was happening in the late stages of 2019, beginning of 2020. But uh, there are bills in place right now to make it easier for the government to get into mobile devices and other communication. Um, but with that, whenever you hear law enforcement or the FBI couldn't get into this iPhone or something like that, the answer is, no, that is a lie. They just don't want to pay for how much it costs to get into it. And things I've actually said to individuals that say like, well, what if the next 9-11 is, is on this phone, which is something that has literally been said to me in D.C. And I told them, who's going to tell the, the U.S. citizens that you couldn't stop the next 9-11 because you didn't want to pay $2 million to get into something? And that's the sort of marketing pitch you have to go up against when you're dealing with Drew. <laughs> i mean it, it, it made it made it made it made the uh it made the room quiet right like oh, when you imagine. think about it how how insignificant is that amount compared yeah. to stopping the next terrorist attack yeah, right yeah. so that that whenever you hear that the fbi couldn't get into the iphone or law enforcement can't get into this mobile device the the answer is no they could they either A, really didn't want to, or B, they didn't want to pay for it. So. Hey, hey, Drew, that legislation that you're alluding to that started in 2019 and, and is ongoing, that's the Earn It Act, right? Uh, so there's a few of them, actually. So the Earn It oh, Act, um, yeah, so, so, so the Earn It Act is actually a uh, pulled down version from it. Uh, it's a kind of a first step, and uh, it, it targets... Um, uh, it's marketed towards like targeting pedophiles, right? So like, who's going to vote against it? Um, yeah. uh, so that is, uh, and that was, that was done 
in a very deliberate manner so people wouldn't vote against it uh, because then it'd be like, oh, so you're for pedophiles. Uh, but it is the, the Earn It Act is just the first step. There are other bills which have been proposed uh, and have, you know, numbers associate, associated with them. And they haven't gone through committee yet and stuff like that, that are uh, a lot worse than the Earn It Act. The Earn It Act is just step one. Okay, so it, there's a uh, there's another conspiracy theory. The, I don't even know if it's really a conspiracy theory or more more an observation, but this one's particularly near and dear to me. Um, that criminals can hack your car and steal it, like gone in sixty seconds style. Um, yeah, what do you, what do you think? Ten years ago, Hollywood had it wrong, right? Like a criminal is not walking up to a car and unlocking a door in five seconds and getting in and then stealing your car. Uh, as quickly as as they portray it today, Hollywood kind of has it right, and it and it's because of the adoption of a lot of radio technology used in our key fobs. There is a replay attack that you can do, uh, and I've done it against. Uh, I was asked to do it to show law enforcement how it's done. So I started unlocking police cruisers, and uh, <laughs> they they became less excited about me being there, and. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but That's the way uh, it always goes, right? It's like you can't do that. Show us you can do it. Then you do it. They're like, oh, yeah, it was. Oh, no, uh, you can do that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, they they knew it could be done because there's video evidence of it being done. They didn't know that it could be done to their police cruisers. They were given a false sense of security by some other individuals that that gave them some bad information that worked for law enforcement. Um, but but it was okay. They they uh, they realized like yeah oh, yeah you can break into police cruisers very easily with a laptop and a radio, and that's what these criminals are also doing right. They're using two radios and they're doing something called a replay attack. So they're they're capturing the the signals from your key fob, um, and there's a few different ways to do this. But uh, one of them is they capture it and then it gets sent to the other radio and it unlocks the vehicle. And we won't go into extreme detail. If you really want to look up what that looks like, you can find it online. Uh, and there's tons of videos that break it down to, you know, the, the most basic level when it comes to this. But, yeah, the ability to unlock cars, to start cars um, by breaking into them with your laptop and stuff like that is now kind of a reality. Uh, but it's still not like they're going to you're going to be driving and. Uh, all of a sudden, your car is going to drive you into a parking lot to where criminals are going to kidnap you. You know, they're, they're not they don't have full control over your vehicle right now. There are some other interesting items where, uh, you know, cars were forced into going into reverse while they were driving uh, yeah. or rip your transmission. Or, yeah. Or <laughs> they. Yeah. Uh, and, or they did like uh, the lane assist thing. If your vehicle has lane assist, it kind of like merges it over to get over. Uh, there have been some instances where people have made proof of concept showing to where they can activate that at random time. So your vehicle would just be going in a straight line and all of a sudden it starts turning. What? But OK, so my my personal favorite car hacking thing, though, was the uh, when Chris Valasek and Charlie Miller did the Wired interview. Um, and so these are these are two folks in the in the hacking space that have been here have been here for a while are, are very well reputed and they I think it was a Jeep Grand Cherokee uh, so they, they were had, 
Yeah, yeah. So um, there's a reporter from Wired. He's in the car. Uh, he's driving down the highway. And I want to say that the way that these guys got in was through um, the OnStar system, or it was some cloud-connected cloud connected system. So there has been research of people compromising vehicles over OnStar, but I don't know if they did that. Okay. But, I thought it was through the entertainment system. Okay, entertainment system. Yeah, right. So part of the car is internet-connected, and they're able to hack into the car. And I, I encourage you to watch this video just because it's fairly entertaining. And it's also pretty frightening because... So they first, like... Um, I want to say they like change the music and they like start blasting music and the guy can't turn it down. And then they, they change the image on the like center entertainment console from like the actual entertainment console to a picture of the two of them in like track suits. Uh, and then like this guy's driving on the highway, they turn the windshield wipers on and they turn like the, uh, like the wiper spray on. So now it's starting to not be cool. Uh, and and the, the reporter who's in the car is like on the phone with them, but they can't hear him because the music's so loud and they cut the engine while he's on, while he's driving on the highway and he has to like pull it to the side. And, and later in a more controlled environment, like in a, in a parking lot, they demonstrated the ability to kill the brakes. Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, the extent to which it's like, oh yeah, they're going to take over your car and drive it to a remote place and then like kidnap you and take your car. Probably not. Um, but, you know, so it's like what Drew was talking about with the replay attacks where you have to be physically present. You basically capture the signal from the key fob and you make sure it doesn't get to the car. And then you like basically have a stored code where you're going to be able to unlock the car later. Like that's one route. But there is plenty of evidence that shows that you can actually hack into an Internet control or Internet connected vehicle and uh, and do some pretty serious manipulations to it. And I imagine that's going to include locking and unlocking the doors, potentially starting the engine. It's all just a matter of, of how the software that is in the in the car was designed. We should do an episode on car hacking. No, oh, that would be Oh yeah. I am totally down. Yep. I, I drive I drive like a two thousand one SUV partly partly because I'm cheap. And then partly because it's like I don't want an internet connected car. I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't have my T V hooked up. Like I have Chromecast, so you know out of luck there but i, I uh, guess like, you do have your tv hooked up <laughs> <laughs> i do but at the same time at least with google i know i know how well roughly how bad i'm getting in whereas like with vizio it's just like ah, man you, you don't need to be connecting everything to the internet and everything that you do connect to the internet is probably spying on you talking about being spied on Let's talk about 5G. Oh, oh. <laughs> you mean that thing that causes coronavirus, right? Oh, uh, uh, yes. 5G. 5G. Uh, one conspiracy that that is commonly out there is 5G will cause cancer, right? Um, to which, if you would like to debate that, uh, I will be more than happy to destroy you in that debate uh, with scientific fact and evidence that 5G is not going to cause you cancer. Um, yeah, you just got to get the vaccine with a microchip in it first, and then it yeah, prevents the cancer. Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things uh, within that. I mean, uh, oh. there's even there are even conspiracies around this that I didn't know about that Logan was telling us about. It's like the the vaccine one, right? That Chris kind of just talked about, and uh, you know, the the one of the ones that I that I've seen popularized, uh, which I find crazy, is that this coronavirus item. Yeah, it's a real thing, but it's being trumped up um, 
so that it is uh, so the government can have people stay at their house so that they can install 5G towers without individuals noticing it. And I haven't heard that one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That like in, in the in the UK, that is a very popular one. Um, in fact, there's quite a few videos of people going outside and seeing install techs installing towers or installing radios onto the side of buildings and stuff like that. And they are, you know, during the coronavirus pandemic and they're like, this is why they're having us stay inside. So they so that they don't know or so that we won't know that they're installing 5G everywhere. And uh, I mean, it, it is it is crazy the amount of just links I get sent to me by other individuals that just say are like, look at the, all these dangers of 5G. Look at all these dangers of 5G. So let's talk about a real danger of 5G. <clears throat> let's talk about 5G being used to spy on you. Uh, so the, there is a few companies that are coming out with 5G right now. 5G products. And I believe the first company to come out with a working 5G implementation uh, was uh, Huawei, right? Or is that a... I, I don't know if they were first. If, they, they definitely uh, have the kit that is like... like <laughs> Uh, stable, well reputed within the industry, cost effective. They uh, and and they have let groups look at their uh, their source code and say like, look, there's no back doors in it. There's there's no back doors in it, and and they actually have a video uh, on YouTube, uh, which is if you know anything about security, is the world cheesiest promotion video where they're like. There, no one has found a backdoor in any of our products in the last like you know fifteen or thirty years or whatever number they spew out. Right? Uh, let me tell you how this product is backdoored. Five uh, G, without going too in depth into it, five G infrastructure on the back end side uh, requires a lot of new items, and if you give a, <coughs> the carriers are the ones. Uh, they're going to be storing some of these items, but it's also in Huawei system, they store some of the items as well. And what that allows is that they can now see, they, they won't be capturing it through the radio because they don't need to, because they'll just be capturing data through the network. And there are legitimate uh, services that they have within their product that allow them to do that. And then they're just going to hand it over to the Chinese government because you know, they're a Chinese company and that's what you do when you are a uh, Chinese owned company. Uh, legally, that is what you have to do actually um, to be a uh, company in China. So it it is, <clears throat> there are many problems with 5G uh, and, and there are many security issues with 5G. 5G is not going to cause cancer, but depending on how or who you go with with 5G, uh, it definitely will uh, just destroy privacy in a lot of senses. So the conspiracy that 5G will cause cancer, uh, totally false. And if you want to, you know, have in-depth conversations about that and see the FCC uh, testing and other organization, third-party organizations testing on 5G systems, like I'll have that conversation all day long. But if you want to know the real thing about 5G, that's where some is using a Huawei 5G system. In summary, 
we have three takeaways for you. One, verify what you hear before spreading it around. Two, all good conspiracy theories have a grain of truth in them. And number three, just because they have this grain of truth does not mean they are completely true. While there are plenty of conspiracy theories out there, and even more than what we've listed, as with every item which sounds too crazy to be true, there is some grain of truth behind it. Your job is to dig in and find out what those grains of truth are so that you can help educate others so that they are not scared by the FUD out there. If you have a conspiracy theory that we did not cover that you would like to hear, hit us up on social media and we may have you on to discuss it with us. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Security Explained. If you enjoyed listening, we'd love to hear from you. We're always looking for new topics that our audience finds interesting, and you might be able to pick our next show. Feel free to reach out via social media or rate our podcast on your listening platform to let us know how we're doing. You can find us on the web at securityexplained.fm or on Twitter at SecExplained. Thanks again, and until next time, stay safe.